Welcome to Series 2 of the GM Moving Podcast, where we share with you our place-based approach to enable people to get moving. I'm Eve, Strategic Director at Greater Sport, leading, supporting and connecting GM Moving, Greater Manchester's Movement for Movement. Supported by investment from Sport England, Greater Manchester Partners have been taking a whole system, place-based approach to embed physical activity into everything. For happier, healthier, more connected communities and active lives for all. In each episode, we share stories of what this looks like in action in each of the 10 boroughs of Greater Manchester, and you'll hear different people's experiences. So in this episode, the first of this series, I speak with Richard, a strategic director at Greater Sport, leading on the local pilot and place-based work across the whole of Greater Manchester. Greater Manchester as a city region is made up of 10 local authorities with a total population of 2.8 million. The makeup of the population differs across each of the 10 boroughs. Each has its own unique identity and personality as you'll hear throughout this series. So let's find out more about the local pilot, starting with Richard and why he is so passionate about this approach. Let's dig in, Richard, to uh, this conversation. We're, we're sat here, aren't we? It's a gorgeous sunny day on, on Dean's Gate. We're in the Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce, these lovely big high ceilings, and we're in the communication room. So hopefully that bodes well for our conversation. So if you weren't in this room today and you were outside enjoying the sunshine, how would you be moving today? In terms of my activity levels, they're quite varied and obviously they've changed over time. So, you know, as a youngster, many, many decades ago, I was more into the athletics and and it's always been competitive sport for me. And that really hasn't changed. I've probably gone more into gyms and that's just because I don't like the cold as much so over the winter months it's quite nice to be in a warm gym but as as the sun comes out and the summer starts it'll be back to being outdoors uh, cycling walking and and golf still haven't had a chance to compete with you Richard I look forward to that moment maybe (laughs) that doesn't tend to be my motivator but anyway really I'd like to hear a bit about you and your role and, and why this why this matters to you why am I in this role it's always been a passion of mine sport physical activity and in my career both at local authority and at national level I've seen how sport and physical activity can improve someone and change someone's life and give them the confidence to go off and do other things so it hasn't necessarily got to be in a sporting environment but they can go off and become what they want to be in in other ways uh, and what this approach allows us to do is actually ask the question of what would it take to help you become more active how would you want to move more in your place in your community Um, and be more um, positive about the conversation and not be saying why can't you but more around how could you Um, and this role allows me and the team and it's a really good strong team and I within that I include the localities to ask those pertinent questions and then to work alongside our residents and our system partners to put in place the opportunities for people to become more active and then lead those healthier, happier, more active lives. So you've told us a little bit about, obviously, the local pilot. Can you just give us a little bit more information, I suppose, as to how, how it came about? The local pilot itself is really about trying to create the space to do things differently. It's funded by 
uh, Sport England. We're one of 12 in the country and we are the biggest. They range from population sizes of 5,000 to Manchester, which is 2.8 million. Um, and I always describe uh, the way the local pilot works as like a Russian doll. So we have um, a, a doll within a doll within a doll. So we have the regional level, which is working with uh, organisations such as TFGM or the Health and Social Care Partnership or Greater Manchester Combined Authority. Then we have the local authorities in our localities and or uh, voluntary community sector organisations. And then we have residents and then we have families within the residents. So they're doles within doles within doles. And we are the biggest doll. And we're part of GM Moving. So we're a strand of the, the overarching GM Moving framework. And with it, I would say with a test and learn. We're the things that when things go wrong, we don't get told off for it. We are praised for it as long as we learn and we reflect and we go back and we try something different again. There's been this legacy of investment into communities and into place, but that legacy of investment has probably, for all the right reasons, come from the wrong place. I suppose that the idea that people who are in the work know best and therefore can just put a product into a community. Here's a product, it will go in the community and everyone will turn up. Let's take football, for example. Everyone likes playing football. It's a known fact. It's one of the biggest participatory sports in the country. So if you had to run a football session in the community, well, naturally, everyone's going to turn up to that. And actually, what we found is that wasn't the truth, that actually people aren't like me and competitive, but actually they want to do something slightly different. So what, the, what we're doing with the local pilot within Greater Manchester, it was around those activity levels. We knew that the activity levels weren't where we wanted them to be, and we didn't really understand why we were doing the same as everyone else. We were putting in place solutions when we didn't really understand the problem. So what the, what the local pilot allows us to do is have those conversations to really walk in the shoes of those people who perhaps for various reasons aren't active. And it's not, there's this perception that people aren't active because they're lazy. Well, that's not true. There's, there's other things that surround individuals, um, both from their family life, their social life, their, where they live, the economic factors, um, the environmental factors, which prevents or dissuades people from being active. For example, if you're in a community where there's no street lighting, why would you want to go out walking late at night? The perception is there's a threat there. So, you know, can we have the conversation with the local authority about the street lighting and make it more of a, more, a lighter, more um, secure perception that people then will go walking? So that, that's really where the, the pilot has come from, from understanding in a place what are the things which are preventing or stopping people from fulfilling their active want? And then once we understand that, we can begin the conversation and connections with other organisations to begin to change some of that, some of those factors. So that all sounds great. And at a very simple level, something about just asking people what, what matters to them, which we talk about all the time, don't we, um, across, across the piece really in Greater Manchester in terms of really thinking about start with people and individuals, what matters to them and recognise the multiple influences on somebody, whether they live an active life or, or do other things in their life. The, the, the example that sticks in my mind is probably the first one we were when we started this work was when Stockport went into um, Brinnington. Uh, and they were beginning to talk about how people would um, travel around their community and what they've done with that community and with the help of TFGM. And I guess that's the other part is whilst we are also working residents, there's a piece around 
the relationship with those organisations. For any listeners who aren't in Greater Manchester and don't know what TFGM is, that's Transport for Greater Manchester. So whilst there's an approach and there's key principles within the pilot about how we work, we also want to try and work with our partners within the system and our stakeholders in the system to uh, embed some of those principles of the way they work as well. And Brinnington was another really good example where TFGM worked with the residents to design maps of their place. And those maps were of things of interest to the residents, not things of interest to either Stockport Local Authority or um, to TFGM. And what the, what, where we've got to now, and it's taken two years, but that's a really good use of two years. And as I said, we're about creating the space to do things differently, and two years is a great space. So, so people can quite clearly see what is in their, their local asset, either things that are of interest to them and how they can navigate around them and how they can walk around them and some of the safe places to walk. They're fully accessible. Um, they've been owned and designed by the residents. And we're beginning to see those residents out on those streets, in those places, in those parks, walking around. It's a really small example, but it's that example which we can now utilise and use in other spaces across both Stockport and the other localities within Greater Manchester. So you referred to a number of key principles. Can you just talk about some of the other key principles that I guess guide you in, in the work? Now you're testing. Uh, they would be ensuring that we have the data and insight. So any decision or any any route we take with the way, with the way we work has to be, we would like it to be informed by some data and insight whether that's hard data, either facts and figures from the Active Lives Survey, for example, which is the Sport England National Survey for Physical Activity and Sport, or whether that's local insight from any surveys or um, conversations that are had by a local authority. We want it to be uh, a conversation with residents that's positive. We would, in Greater Manchester, call that an asset-based conversation or or a person-centred conversation. So you're not talking about what can't you do, you're talking more about what can you do, what do you want to do. We'd want it to be around, have a a really strong message behind that. So we've done a lot of work with um, an organisation called the Frameworks Institute, where we've looked at how we frame our conversations, how we frame our campaigns and messaging um, in and around Greater Manchester and come up with like the three key messages that we'd want to talk about around that area. It's got to be felt by the local people, so it's got to have imagery and we want to hardwire whatever we're doing. And by hardwire, that for me, that means we want it built into strategy and policy. So that notion of moving more is in a in a local strategy. It hasn't got to be a physical activity strategy. It hasn't got to be a sports strategy. But in those broader, wider strategies that are in place would be a fantastic positive for the work that we're doing. The big thing for us, the one which we are really striving to achieve, is to create this community of learning and sharing. So to be able to ensure that whatever is being learned in any locality, in any conversation with any resident, with any organisation, both the good and the bad, and it's important to say that this hasn't always been a positive experience. And in fact, we've learned probably more from the things that haven't worked as we have from the things that have worked. How do we reflect on those things? Where do we share that information? And again, that's a real change to how things have been done previously. Previously, investment would have come with a load of key performance indicators so it would have been okay we're going to give you some investment but for that investment how many people are going to be active what's their postcode 
we have been given the freedom. Sporting England have allowed us to have the freedom to not have to do that. And that's been a big step forward from Sport England. And it's freed up the creativity in each individual place and in each individual working in this way to think, well, actually, if we don't need the KPI, it doesn't matter if 10 people or 20 people turn up. If one person turns up, at least we can talk to that one person, understand why they've turned up and what we can do moving forwards. I guess the first question is, is all those principles you just you described that I'm sure everyone listening no one would disagree they sound great <laughs> sound great on paper why wouldn't you want to do that but putting them into practice is tricky so what have you found the hardest what have been the biggest challenges I think the the hardest thing and it's something we we were discussing actually this week so we have a monthly forum with each and all of the localities has been around that community of learning that reflective practice we're trained both when we start in the career of sport for development or sports development as it was to monitor through KPIs. Some would say easy. When you remove that comfort blanket of KPIs, you get into a space of, so how do we know we're doing a good job? What we've been asking for is around understand the why and the how. And that takes a lot of thought and it takes a lot of time and as the local pilot, we've almost described what we've created thus far as, as a bubble. So those within the bubble of the local pilot can talk the local pilot language and they can feel comfortable in the space where we can talk about the why and the how. But as you leave that bubble and you go back into your organisation, and you know that we're not immune from it ourselves, you must fall back into your pattern of, where's the numbers? How do I know this is working? And that's been the biggest challenge and it continues to be a challenge because we're having to change not only the mindset of the people in the bubble, but we're having to think about how do we support them when they're back into the, their, I suppose, home organisations and when they're speaking to potential board members or trustees or council members about this work, what are the things that they can be saying which resonate but doesn't move to move away from the principles of that community learning, of that reflective practice. I think the other one that I'd probably point to is just the engagement and getting people to think that this isn't a programme or project. Let's be clear, it has got a time span to it because every investment that comes in from any organisation has a, has a life limit to it. But actually thinking about this is we want this to continue beyond, so therefore the, pro- the approach has to be hardwired. And for it to be hardwired, we need the buy-in support of our strategic leaders in an organisation, whether it be the chief exec or a strategic director. We need the trustees to understand why we're doing what we're doing. And just trying to tell the story of the local pilot isn't easy when you haven't got those big showy activities, but you've got incremental change. So it's trying to show, tell the story of incremental change that leads to a big impact and this feels like a common theme doesn't it across the whole of i'd say of change really and reform in greater manchester around measurement and around the need and space for that reflection and that being really valued and to tell those stories and that narrative and i guess i hear those same conversations in other rooms where it's not about moving it's about other aspects of how do you enable people to live a good life in greater manchester and recognizing that we're working in this really complex system and we've got these really wicked problems that we're addressing and that those old ways of setting a kpi having a program or project that just parachutes into a place 
doesn't work. It's shown not to work. Um, so there's real opportunity for the shared learning, um, which I know you're leading on across both in terms of GM moving across GM and within place, I think how it helps other aspects as well of our yeah. work. The, the principle around data and insight can be paralyzing, especially when you're in a test and learn space. So you need to have that space from your strategic lead or your strategic director or your line manager to say, it's fine, go and test. So again, part of my role and part of the team's role is to support the, the leads and the localities and the, and the residents just to be a bit braver in pushing the envelope and the dial in terms of the test and learn. So really going, well, actually, we know what we, we know this is going to work. We know this is what the residents want. Let's do it. Let's just go with it. And again, it's been a bit like Brewster's Millions with the, uh, that's a 80s reference for those that are listening, um, for those for, with the investment, because historically, investment would just go a whole scattergun of activity. Well, because we're being a bit more um, forensic, I guess, in the conversation, that investment has been a bit of a millstone around some necks, but we don't want to spend it. And it's been really interesting to see how that's been utilised in different places um, and what challenges the investment itself has brought to conversation and relationships. So the phrase sort of hold your nerve and having that courage, I know, comes up a lot. <laughs> um, and, you know, I guess what I've seen as part of your role is being that sort of protector, really, and illuminator, um, which we talk about in really helping to, to share, as you say, in simple terms, the stats and the stories, the names and the numbers. Yeah, it depends on the audience. So there are people, there's head, heart, hand is how we would describe it. Um, and we know there's people in in and around Greater Manchester in the organisations that we want to talk to who always want the stats first. So we need to have that information that's really important. But the information on its own doesn't provide the con- doesn't provide any sort of the, the heart, the story, the impact on a resident or on a family or on a community or on a neighbourhood. And equally, without the data, there's no context to why we're doing what we're doing. So we work really hard with our, you know, with our marketing comms team, our data and insight team, to make sure that we've got a good balance of all of that. That then is backed up with our evaluation, because that then allows us to reflect on the way we've worked and to channel the good and the bad back into the, the thinking going forwards. One of the key, you know, one of the key kind of enablers as such that's come out of this has been that need to involve local people and grow local assets. And coming back to the point you make about comms, you know, the importance of then imagery that is relevant to people, that resonates to people, that's about me. And that's all been particularly key, hasn't it, as we're now really focused on how we address those inequalities um, that we know um, then drive in activity um, for certain people in certain communities. We, we always have three key audiences within the local pilot so from the very beginning um, we identified that um, children young people aged 5 to 18 outside of school was a key audience we identified people with long-term health conditions aged 40 to 60 was a key audience and we identified that people at, at risk of worklessness or out of work were a key audience so when we initially started the the approach those were the areas we focused on and not surprisingly where the localities then focused their efforts and their time in their neighbourhoods, all the data was leading them to those areas where there was low educational attainment, 
high um, cultural diversity, low income. So, so naturally, those, the work that we've been doing and continue to do will be in those areas where there is significant inequality in terms of, And it's not inequality that I would say, yes, they're inactive, but there's other things, social inequalities, which are leading to inactivity. So all the way through, we have been focused in on those spaces and those residents and those communities. Actually, again, it comes down to language. You know, we started with saying areas of deprivation, but those people living in those areas don't see it as deprived. They see it as their home. They see it as their community. So again, it's the language we use with residents to, to engage and to talk. If you look at what's happened in Manchester, they did a, a session with British Cycling to get more Muslim women cycling. And, and the way they did that is they actually worked with British Cycling to change the way the course was run. And I think that was really important. They took the feedback from the from the women to say, we don't want to do an eight-hour course and we don't feel confident doing it in this way. And they changed the course and now we've got more uh, women coming through. And, and I think what, what we're seeing with, with particularly the social inclusion and inequality piece is there are, there are facets of the work where we can now draw some real good conclusions and, and learning that's being shared across all the other localities and then we'll continue to work within the GM moving space as well, more broadly on the on the city region footprint. So we have created a, a disability forum now um, where those conversations around accessibility are, are being had in much more depth. So there's a real focus, isn't there, on going to people in all ways, both in terms of their place and, you know, emotionally. And, and then back to that point of what, what, what matters to them and taking that strength-based approach that you talk about, about actually pride in place and people pride in their family and their community and starting from that perspective of rather than from what's wrong or what's missing. So we've heard a bit about the challenges. Mm-hmm. I guess what's been, has there been a particular highlight in the last couple of years? Anything particularly you'd want to illuminate that's, you know, really brought you joy in the work? The way that the work happens, I don't think that I could point to one thing. I think it's been an accumulation of lots of little things which have shown that this approach is moving in the right direction. So at the very beginning, there was, you know, we had some very honest and open conversations with localities and it was really refreshing to hear their voice about what was working and what wasn't working and really challenging us about our approach in the work. And I guess, why would that be a positive? Well, because we've given them the freedom to do that, whereas previously it'd be much more top-down. It would be, no, you will do it this way, and this is the way you're going to do it, and how this is how it's going to work. But actually we said to them, well, no, if this is going to be a, a true open friend you know, relationship that we want to create here with you, a trusting relationship, then we want to hear the good and the bad. And they weren't scared to tell us the bad, which was refreshing every time we do a so we do uh, what we call the six-month reflection sessions so we get all the localities in a room and they talk about their their stories of change and the, the the successes they've had those are always the best times for us to to listen and to hear but just to hear about how their stories have changed how they're articulating their understanding of what's happening in their place their increased knowledge about their residents it's far removed from where we started and I think some of the individual development we've seen in some of the local leads about the confidence that they now have in terms of speaking in rooms and being part of that national network in a few weeks time we've got two of our localities talking at a national in a national workshop and I'm not sure they'd have been able to do that previously or articulate what they were doing in that way and I suppose in a more city region footprint the work that we've been, the, the relationships we, we're building with our colleagues in, in the social prescribing space, um, with Transport for Greater Manchester, 
the fact that we're being asked to attend more meetings and asked for our input into conversations perhaps previously those doors would have been closed I think all of that shows to me that it's going in the right direction and that's happening not because we've had investment but that's because of the way that we're approaching the work Um, and I think that gives me the the greatest joy or or pleasure uh, in terms of how we're moving the, the local pilot forwards. You know I always love to hear about the joy of the journey Richard so thank you for that. So there's lots there around, again, that honesty that you've managed to create, which I guess I've seen and felt in some of those rooms that's created a space, again, for people to challenge and to really build those genuine relationships as opposed to far more transactional approach. So that all sounds great. Provide space, freedom, creativity, confidence, and great things happen. So what, what does the future look like we talk a lot about legacy and sustainability in in what we do and when you've got an investment which is you know an approach which is time related you have to then begin to think about what what comes on beyond that and i think the next part of this is how do we ensure that the approach is built into organizational which isn't an easy thing to do and that's why we need those strategic leaders and those uh, all spaces and levels with, and pulling all the levers they can with their, within their organisation to enable that to happen. Um, I think we need to continue to build that bank of good stories, that bank of why and how to illustrate why the approach is so beneficial. One of the things I'd like to see potentially as a legacy, and this isn't just a GM one, but probably nationally as well, is the change in which we educate the future sport for development professionals into this space or anybody working in this space so when I started it was all about get your coaching qualification and you can go in and do the work I think now it's much more about community development it's around that being able to have those conversations and be able to listen and understand being able to tell the stories being able to reflect I'd like to think that from all the work that all the pilots are doing that that creates a sea change in terms of the people coming into this work and going into the communities. If we are truly talking about sustainability in, in, in communities, then we need to be working close with our communities to get to allow them to take ownership of this, uh, this approach and of their place. We saw it through the, the pandemic where communities took much more ownership of their place and of their neighbours uh, and looking out for each other. I want to build that within a physical activity, sport and movement frame as well. So can we get communities looking out for each other in terms of their activity? Can they become you know, the, the spark plugs, the pipe pipers for activity, you know, walking, cycling? How do we support them if they want to do something which is slightly different to the norm? How do we ensure that if they want to run a football session, they can safely but not have to go through a, a full coaching qualification or badge or something of that, of that ilk? So those are the probably, it's, it's now looking, well, what's the sustainable sustainability, what's the legacy, what's the hardwire of the local pilot approach in, in our communities and, and in our organisations to ensure that this continues as a, as a way of working as opposed to just, oh, that was nice. And we go back and we fall back into the, the pattern that's always been there. So great, you do all of that. What, what does that mean then? What happens? That means I'm out of a job. <laughs> That's what it means. It means I've made myself retired. I think if, you, if we manage to do that, and again, I don't, I don't think you're ever going to see a, a huge 
jump in like a year of activity. And if we're, measured, if we're measuring this purely in active lives data, I wouldn't expect the, the local pilot in of its own to, sit, to create a 10%, 20% shift in active lives data. What I would hope is that because we've pulled the levers in the system and because there's a greater awareness of what residents want or need and what could go into an environment to make people to help people be not make people be more active it's wrong language again is to help people create opportunities for more activity um, you'll see more spaces where people are walking are cycling perhaps there's a, a greater leveling up around that happy healthy space um, the parks are being populated by families um, generational families you know we often see tennis courts empty until Wimbledon and then for two weeks of Wimbledon they're packed and then they're empty again but actually can we create the spaces where it's the norm just to go and do something whatever that might be so I think that's what that's what I want to see you know those those new spaces designed in a way that enable people to be active that they don't have narrow paths that it's not just the, the car is king I'd want to see it go so on a sunny day as we have today in Manchester there are more people active. There are more people outside, walking meetings, having conversations, you know, not being indoors because they feel they can't or haven't got the confidence to be outside. There has to be a balance. We can't just be evangelical about this, I don't think. But there's a, a, a balance back towards designing activity back into people's lives rather than trying to um, and effectively designing it out of people's lives you know you, you use that word leveling up dare I repeat it so this really does meet a number of different agendas doesn't it so that happier healthier more connected it's about social and economic inclusion it's about personal development and it's about sustainability of our planet and our places and people's lives so I know our our kind of audacious goal I suppose as GM moving is is active lives for all which you know as you said it that you you might hope that we can get there that might feel like a long way away and hard to attribute any particular contribution towards achieving that um but i guess just as a final note we it is more than a hope isn't it because before the pandemic what we saw that this approach we was hope was seemingly contributing towards a significant shift in terms of activity levels so the data was suggesting that in greater manchester activity levels were increasing at two and a half um, times faster than they were in other parts of the country and we can't pinpoint that to any one particular intervention or contribution but it certainly gave us another indicator alongside all the ones that you've pointed to um, that actually it's more than a hope this this will help lead a change so are you optimistic that we can and will shift the dial yes we'll shift the dial the dial it's the amount that you shift but there'll definitely be a there's definitely a a change there's momentum building again so up to the pandemic i think that we were at a tipping point in terms of um activating more in localities and obviously the pandemic slowed some of that didn't stop it but it definitely slowed it i think we're back at that point so actually we've built quite a lot of resilience in the system to allow people to get back into activity a lot quicker than perhaps they were previously but absolutely there should be a a shift in the in the way that people are perceiving activity and their own active levels and active lives i'm definitely hopeful that the work that we're doing the approach that we're taking with the local pilot and the the way which we're sharing that learning through gm moving more broadly will create the the change that we want to see and it's about long-term change 
So I'm not talking about, oh, well, it might change for one result or might change for two results. And Manchester, Greater Manchester will reap the benefits of that going forwards. And everyone's got a role to play in that, haven't they? And I'm sure people listening, whether it's in their own personal lives, with their family, with their friends or in their professional roles, are of all contributing to helping more people be active. Well, thanks, Richard. I think that was a great conversation. Lots of food for thought and uh, lots of joy in the mix. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening to this GM Moving podcast episode. We've heard how moving matters to everybody and how we can all play a role to design moving back into everyday life. Now, we'd love to hear how you keep moving and the ways you are supporting others to live an active life. You can contact us on our socials or on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Greater Sport and don't forget the hashtag DMMovingInAction. Please do share this episode with people and organisations who will find it useful. And join the movement for movement. A big thank you to everyone who's investing in this work and playing their part to test, to learn and to make this happen. This series is a Mike Media production.